Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Well, amen. As we continue to worship together today, let me invite you. Let's take the Word of God. Let's open the Word of God. Let's turn in the Word of God to Matthew chapter 5. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon preached by the greatest preacher of all eternity. And here we are covering now uh, the, the topic of truth, the topic of telling the truth. And so far, we've covered a lot of deep territory. We've kind of gotten to some muddy waters. We've covered anger and hate that leads to us being murderers at heart. We've covered lust and looking and a longing that creates adultery in our hearts. We've covered divorce and just the pain that goes with that on each and every angle. So we've covered a lot of things, and now we come to the topic and the subject of telling the truth, being people who walk in the light as he is in the light. And so we're covering a lot of territory, and here we are coming to a very relevant place for every single one of us because no one taught us how to lie. We've all learned, we've all grown, we've all had that in our own human sinful nature. Even from the beginning, we learned how to either conceal and not reveal or halfway tell or just outright falsely tell the truth. And so we're coming to a place, again, that's really relevant for us. And we understand when it comes to the Word of God, your words carry so much weight. Your words carry so much weight. We're going to see here today that there's pallet power in your palate to give victory from your voice, or there can be dynamite in your dentures to give judgment from your jaws. And that's a mouthful right there. James 3.2 tells us that if any man can control his tongue, that man would be a perfect man. Matthew 12.34 tells that out of the overflow or the abundance of the heart, the actual mouth speaks. In other words, the Word of God is always going to tell us that what you say and how you say it is a thermometer of your heart. And that's where we're going this whole time, right? Jesus has always gone beyond the surface. You've heard it said, but I say, I'm going to the depths of your heart. I'm telling you that it matters not what's on the outside, but it's always what's on the inside that counts. And so we're going to come today to look at the external revealing by the eternal to understand that the weight of our words is not measured by the number of the words that we speak, but by the value in the words in which we do speak in the name of Jesus. So here we are, Matthew chapter 5. You will with me for the standing of God's word, if you will come. <clears throat> Matthew 5, starting in verse 33, the word of God tells us this. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, that you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. You should be faithful to your oath. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. He says this in verse 37, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of God. Amen. Amen. You have a seat today. Keep your text open before you. You can also grab the worship God on the backside. You can plug in some things as we walk together through the Word, and I encourage you to do that here today. We're going to see two things really stand out from this text. 
And here's the very first one that as we look at Jesus being Lord of our lips, the first one that we need to see is this. Your words recognize your commitments. They recognize your commitment. They reveal what you really are committed to. Again, verse 33, if you go back to the text, it says again, you have heard that it was said to those of old that you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn or the oath that you have made. And so again, what we see Christ doing, he's attacking what man has taught. There's a lot of bad, false teaching happening here. The Pharisees looking for loopholes to the word of God, abusing or extenuating the word to suit their needs. And they were always trying to take advantage of what the word of God actually said and kind of weaponize it to their favor. So he's like, hey, you've heard it said, and I'm going to clarify that because I'm not arguing with what it was written. I'm arguing with what was said. And he takes us back to the word. Always away from man's tradition, always back to God's truth. And so we see within all this, we've been taking a lot back to Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. And what is relevant to this conversation are two commandments. Number three, do not take the Lord your God's name in vain. All right, that's a major thing. To not empty God's name of its power, but to keep his name holy. To recognize that it's not a word to use flippantly. It's not a word to be used casually, but his name is the greatest name, the one name, the only name that matters from all eternity past to all eternity future. His name is above every name. So we don't take the Lord's name in vain. And the second one is number nine, do not bear false witness. And so what we're seeing here is going to kind of wrap up this understanding of the law. It's like, hey, you, you do not ever take away value or power from the name of God, and you always tell the truth. You always tell the truth. Leviticus 19.12, the Old Testament affirming this. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. Deuteronomy 23.21 says, If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. And so the Old Testament stress not swearing falsely, but also not violating your word. To be a man of your word, to be a woman of your word, to mean what you say and say what you mean. And so we understand that we are to honor God with our lips and again, always tell the truth. And this was often done in the Old Testament through an oath. <clears throat> we understand that an oath is something that, that people of God did. They made a covenant with God. David made an oath. Abraham made an oath. These mighty men of God made oaths with the Lord. And what, what, what the purpose of an oath is this, is that an oath is making a statement, making a statement of truth, and then calling God as a witness to that statement. So you ever heard, as God is my witness, right? So I'm making a statement. I'm calling God to be a witness to the truth of that statement. But when I do that, I'm also saying, God, curse me if I'm lying. Right? So God, I'm telling you the truth. I'm going to make an oath, and this oath has now bonded me and, and bound me to you, God, to understand that I'm a man of truth. I'm telling the truth, and if I'm not telling the truth, God, your judgment is to be expected upon my head. This is normal for us. You may not realize, but we casually, or not casually, but we often make oaths all the time. If you're ever in court, you would have to make an oath to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God, Right? If you've ever made a court oath, you've made that, ever being sworn into any kind of office, any public officials or any kind of <clears throat> official ceremony you've done, you've made an oath being sworn into office. You also make a vow or an oath on your wedding day. Right? You commit to that person, to your husband or to your wife, until death do us part. 
And so we've all made our fair share of oaths because we're invoking God as a witness, and then we invite him to be a part of that vow. Those are the good ways we can do that, but we can also make oaths, it says here, in a very sinful way, in a very negative way. And we do that, we will also make oaths, or we'll make vows, and we'll swear, right, because we're trying to prove that we're telling the truth. Right? I want to go to an extreme to prove to you that I'm not lying. And so what do we do as kids? You learn this, cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Right? You learn that as a kid to say, hey, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, cross my heart. I'm, I promise I'm telling you the truth. We also will say, I swear to God. And so again, take his name in vain and use it in a casual way. Or we'll say, as God is my witness, or even some of us will go to an extreme and say, I swear on my mama's grave, I'm not telling the truth, right? We go to all kinds of different extremes to prove that we are telling the truth. Why? Because we're unreliable. A lot of times we've lied before, and so people have doubts about our word, and now to prove that we have a reason to be believed, and and we want people to understand that our word is actually good, we often have to bring something outside of us to come alongside and prove what's inside of us is actually true, right? The witness inside of us is not good enough, so we need a witness outside of us, so we call upon something else, call upon something else to come and give us credibility, I will be reliable if I call upon this. And that's the heart of the issue that we're going after in this text is that our words should be so reliable. Our words should be so faithful and so trustworthy. We don't have to go to anything outside of ourselves. Now, you should be able to hear me and what I say and take it at face value. He's telling the truth. I have no reason to question that man. I have no reason to question that person. I have no reason to question what he or she said because that person doesn't need to go outside of themselves I trust what is in them. I trust who is in them, and I trust that they are trustworthy, and they are telling me the truth. People should hear us, and as people of God, we should be people who are always walking in truth. But the Pharisees, oftentimes how we do this as well, they created a loophole for your lips. They created a loophole for your lips because they taught, here's what was being taught. You've heard it taught this, heard it said, but here's what I say. They taught that if you made an oath in the name of the Lord your God, you had to keep it. All right, that, that was a non-arguable non, non, non statement, right? It was non-negotiable. There we go. It was a non-negotiable. You could not you know, go one way or the other from that. It's saying if you make an oath in the name of the Lord, you had to keep it. But if you make an oath in something else's name, there's a little more flexibility. All right, you can kind of fudge a little bit here and there. So they were seeing in this text, do not take an oath by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem, or by your head. They were making oaths on everything besides God because they didn't want to be held accountable for their words. And so they created all kinds of loopholes to be what? Religious liars. That's all that they were. And they thought, if I didn't swear to God, then I'm exempt. I can do whatever I want. And we learned that too. You remember this? Cross your fingers. As long as you cross your fingers and put them behind your back, you could tell anything you wanted to, Right? We learned that as kids. I learned that. I learned how to trick somebody by saying, well, I didn't tell the truth. Or I, it wasn't valid because I crossed my fingers. It didn't count that time. And we learned how to exempt ourselves from telling the truth. And we all did all kinds of things because we created loopholes. And that's exactly the game that they were playing. If they didn't swear to the Lord and they didn't bring God as a witness, then they really didn't have to keep it. Here's a problem with telling little white lies. Telling a white lie is like being a little pregnant. Eventually it's going to show up can't hide it forever. 
It's always going to reveal itself in some way because you can't be a little pregnant. And so we understand that we have to be people who walk in truth. And so let me challenge you with this kind of overall statement of application here. You need to strive to be factual by seeking to be faithful. Strive to be factual. Always be factual. Always tell the truth because you're seeking to be faithful to God. I want to be factual in my words because I'm faithful to my God. To belong to God, church is to belong to truth. We understand in John chapter 8, it's the truth that sets you free. But what's the other side is that Satan is the father of lies. So from the very beginning, Satan twisted and lied about God's word to tempt Adam and Eve into sin. So from the very beginning, Satan has been a liar. And to lie is to walk in his path, is to follow the example of Satan. And so we want to belong to God, then we need to belong to the truth. And so if you are a believer in this room, there is no room for any falsehood in your life whatsoever. No room for falsehood in your presentation. No room in falsehood in your words or your actions. No room for falsehood in anything you say or anything you do. You are called as a child of God. It says right here to be a person who lives in the truth. So something you've heard me say before, I want to say again, is that the tongue in your mouth and the tongue in your shoe should always be moving in the same direction. All right, Your lips should always match your life. And so your words recognize a commitment. Here's number two. Most importantly, your words represent Christ. Why do our words matter so much? Your words, they represent Christ. Look in verse 34. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you simply say be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And so he says, do not take an oath at all. Now you remember, he's exposing their hearts. He's exposing their loopholes. He's saying, hey, you're just trying to create ways for you to feel righteous even though you're unrighteously living for God, and you're doing it in his name. And so I'm going to call you out for that because your heart is revealing your actual life, and they were religious liars because they were calling on substitutes. Well, we're not calling on God's name as a witness, so we're exempt. And they created the loopholes. And so what they did here is they were calling on substitutes less than God so they could be exempt from telling the truth. And Jesus says, you can't do that. You, you can't call on a substitute. You can't make vows like this. You can't make promises like this. You can't swear like this. You need to stop doing this because that's sin. Why could they not make promises on substitutes? Why could that, they not make oaths on anything less than God? Because here's the problem. You can't avoid God. There's nowhere you can go to avoid God. He is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere at all times, eternity past, eternity present, eternity future, and he's omnipotent, means he's all-powerful. He's in charge and sovereign over all things. And so if you can't avoid God, then here's what he says here, do not take an oath at all by any of these other things because you can't avoid God by heaven. Why? Because God's there. That is what his, his throne You can't take an oath by the earth because why? God's there. That is his footstool. You can't even take an oath by something like Jerusalem because why? That's the city of the great king. Everywhere you go, God is already there. Everything you say, God is already aware. Everywhere you go, everything you do, everything you think, everything you say, God has already knowledge of those things. You can't avoid God. 
So you think you're going to create a place for you to be exempt from God. God's already there. You think if you go over here, you're going to be safe from God's judgment. God's still there. We try to find little nooks and crannies to find a place where we can get away from God. And the problem is Jesus says, God is there. He's everywhere. Do not take an oath even by your own head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. And so what we see here is a couple of points of application that in not avoiding God that make really a lot of sense for us as the people of God is this. There are no such thing as sacred versus secular. There's no such thing as sacred versus secular. Why? What do you mean by that? If you're a child of God, everything is sacred. Right? There's not a division in your life where, well, this is my secular world, and I don't live for God over here, and I talk like this over there, and I make decisions that are contrary to my life over here, but this is my separation. We like to compartmentalize. Here's where I live my secular life, but hey, it's Sunday, so now I'm in my, 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 my sacred way, right? I'm doing it today. I'm doing it sacred. Now, I've got maybe Wednesday. I've got maybe Sunday night, but today, Sunday morning, I'm for sure sacred. I'm on holy ground. And we compartmentalize, and we try to create a world, a dichotomy, where I can live like God over in this area, and then I can live like the world over here. But the world says right here, you can't avoid God. You go by heaven. He's there. You go by earth, he's there. Even in your own head, he's there. There's nowhere you can go where you can't live for God. And so that means this, everything as a child of God should be sacred to you. He says, be holy as I am holy. I, there's not one place in my life where I am able to avoid God. You should be able to see me living for the Lord up here and also see me at a ball field living for the Lord out there, right? I should be the same person because it's all sacred. Whatever you do, Right? Whatever you do, you do it for the Lord Christ. Right? You do it for the Lord your God. Whatever it is, you do for God. You don't do it for man, you do it for God. So that means everything in my life is to be holy, acceptable, and pleasing to him because everything in my life should be what? Sacred. So it ends the debate that Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Right? You can't have sacred versus secular. You can't make two different lanes of life for yourself. You live for him exclusively. But then we see the call to be sincere in your speech and then practice what you preach. Be sincere in your speech and then practice what you preach. Verse 37, let what you simply say be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. It's very hard for us to take people at the word. We like contracts, right? We want that in writing. We want to make sure that person's telling the truth, and we want to hold them accountable to that. But as people of God, I should be able to talk to you and, and believe you. I should be able to say that person I know is filled with the Holy Spirit. I know that person's walking with the Lord, and I should be able to see their lifestyle and see how they live and see their actions and see the way they treat others, and I should be able to take that person at their word. Isn't that how we all should live, church family? That the way we should all see one another is I can trust that person. Now, I know we're all fallen. I know we all have the flesh. But I know this. We are all called to represent God in all that we do. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because here's the last thing. Jesus doesn't want your lips separate from your life. He doesn't want your lips separate from your life. The Word of God would tell us that God really has no care for people whose lips are here, but their hearts are far from me. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Is it possible that we give Jesus our lip service and we have a heart far from God? It's possible that we could actually be in here and sing 
and pray and give and serve and go through all the motions and still somehow have a heart really far from God? See, I think we should examine and stop for just a moment. Is it possible we take the Lord's name in vain in church more than we take the Lord's name in vain outside these walls? So we're here, and if we're here, and if we're taking the Lord's name, and we're using it, we're giving him praise, but we have no focus. We're giving him praise, but we're really not trying to obey and change. We're in here, and we're willing to give him everything we have, but really as soon as we leave these doors, it's back to my other secular life, right? Is it possible we're just here giving him lip service with our hearts far from him? Jesus doesn't want your lips. He wants your life. He didn't die for your mouth. He died for your soul, right? He died for you to have life change to have transformation, to give you a spirit so he can change you from the inside out because you're powerless to do it on your own. He wants you. And so we're going to see ultimately, here's the take home and the takeaway today, is that your character with consistency causes credibility. Your character, the mind of Christ, the life of Christ, when you're living for the Lord Jesus, your character with a lot of consistency, when you keep living and you keep being faithful, you keep obedience, it will create a lot of credibility. There's a story that Dr. Adrian Rogers tells himself. He was the pastor for a long time at Bellevue Baptist Church. It's the biggest church in Memphis, one of the biggest churches in America. And one time he tells a story that he went to a store to buy his wife a gift. So he went to the Hallmark store. He paid with cash. He was in a, a very big hurry trying to get from point A to point B. And so he bought his present for his wife. He paid for it in cash and then took the change, stuffed it in his, his wallet and got the gift and, and went on his way. That night he got home, he was getting the, bo- the present out of the bag to wrap it for his wife, and as he does, he also checks his billfold, notices he's got more money in his billfold than he had before he bought the gift. And he creates a scenario that said, obviously I've received more change in return than I was given at the front end, and this is not correct, this isn't right. And so instead of being like how we might do sometimes, saying Jehovah Jireh my God provides, right? That might be a one response, like, well, it must have been just God placed that right there. He knew that he had gotten the wrong amount of change back. And so he woke up first thing in the morning, went to the store as fast as he could, went to find the clerk that checked him out and said, ma'am, I'm so sorry, but it appears to me that I have received more change than I was due from the purchase. Here's the receipt. Here's the money. I need to give it back. It doesn't belong to me. And the woman at the cash register said this, I know I gave you more money on purpose. Here's what she said. She goes, I knew you were a man of God. I knew you were the biggest pastor at the biggest church right here in Memphis. And I wanted to see if you were a man of your word. So I gave you more change on back on purpose to see what you would do. And because you are a man of your word and you have character with consistency that gave me some credibility in who you are and who your God is, I'll be the young lady coming down the aisle tomorrow morning to join, join your church family. It was a witness. It was a witness. It was an opportunity for us, opportunity for her, opportunity for him to give credibility that he actually was a man of God and that God has changed him from the inside out. Credibility. And so I want to challenge us to be people of the truth and to walk in the light as he is in the light because we know this, the truth will set you free. Amen. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the Word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.